Welcome back to the 307 Podcast, everyone. This is one of my favorite types of episodes today. The Q&A with me and the beautiful, most intelligent, most bestest podcast guest on the 307 Podcast, Miss Brooke Wright. If you know him well, you're wondering why he just said all that. Hey, what, what are you doing? Sorry, I was turning those other mics down. Oh. That, go ahead and just <laughs> allow the elephant in the room to come out. What are you so, talking about? You know what I'm talking about. Yesterday, he was. we were laying in bed, and he was talking about discipleship and a few other things. And he was like, this is what I'm going to talk about on the podcast tomorrow. And I was like, cool. Can I get in on that? And he's like, yeah. Yeah, you can. And so this morning, I confirmed that I'm coming on the podcast. I went on a walk with Leonard come back and he's all excited he's like guess what we're doing a Q&A and I said oh cool did what did you say and so look hold on I looked on his page this is what it says hold on I'll find it for you this is what it says it says I'm about I am about to record today's three of seven podcast episode Q&A style Send your questions. I'll do my best to answer. And then at the bottom it says, ask me a question. Would anyone know that I was going to be on this episode based on that? I screwed that one Would up. Would anyone? Though. I screwed then, that one up. Hold on, ladies. This is the best part. When I said, Why just ladies? Just because they understand. Somebody, look, this is funny. Some I posted a, a screenshot of that and said something and... uh Jessica said, "Aha! I'd like to ask you why men are like this, especially ones in marriage in children-free marriages." <laughs> and it's so freaking true. It's like it, I don't know what it is, but you guys just stay a little self-centered sometimes. Well, so. hey, um, I I take full responsibility for my mistake. I should have said Brooke and I are going to be the, on the podcast. Send some questions for us. I take full public responsibility, and uh, I accept the burden now that I that I must carry for the mistake that I made. I do want to apologize and say that uh, you know, biscuit, I did you wrong this morning. I learned a big lesson from it, and uh, that that won't happen again. I mean, you're a big part of the podcast. M most of the time when you come on. No, the uh, the 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 people love it the most, and and I see why you're a very intelligent person. And oh, stop, stop, um, and and that's that's the reason that I was bummed is because I only come on because now you guys have a full crew, so I can't just pop in. So I get to come on like once every two or three months, and so when you set up the podcast to where it's all about you when I'm coming on for the first time in months, it's a little frustrating. Screwed up, man. It was a it's little really screwed up. You should slap me. You should slap me right now. <laughs> <laughs> if I were you, that's what I would do. Oh, I, I mean, what a poor partner I I, I was mean. this morning. It's just me. And when I first asked you about it, you got mad. You know, I screwed up two things this morning. No, we didn't even talk. I I have been on a roll this morning because I was supposed to. I was supposed to call you when I got done with my run. When you were getting in the sauna, because I'm I'm yeah. working on my on this on getting acclimated to the heat now. So I'm doing some sauna work uh, every morning before or after my run, and I was supposed to call you when I did that, and I didn't call you. Well, you I am being a selfish turd this morning. What the heck, man? I've got to change direction. Here we go. I've got to change direction right now. Here we and go. And start taking responsibility as your husband and your partner. I, I right now, change 180. I repent. I change direction. <laughs> it, you are so full of crap. It is ridiculous. No, I'm saying this publicly. I mean, look, and people need to know also, I give you a really hard time, but I've been going through a hard season, and when I get ready to talk about it, I will share it with everybody. But you have been incredible during this season. 
I mean, you have been the most selfless I've ever seen you since I've known you. So, you know. I had an off morning. It's okay. Like, it's okay. He deserves credit because he's been a a huge rock for me lately. Thank you, baby. But, yeah, that was mean. I just had a really selfish morning. I I admit it. What's on your mind? Why are you selfish? Oh. Usually you're, when usually. Yeah, no, I I don't know. I I just, um. When, uh, when you're doing that, it's not because you're selfish. It's because you're preoccupied with something. Hmm. And you're not <laughs> hearing anything going on around you. Yeah. I uh, haven't quite put my finger on it yet. Um, maybe it's because I had to make a plan today. Mm. And I, I've been, mm. yeah, I've been trying not to make plans here you, lately. I've been on vacation. Are you trying to find your next crisis? No. No. I, I, I have a very... Uh, I have a sense of peace that's working its way into my mind. I don't know what it's for. Yeah, what was your new motto you said last night? Oh, uh, what was it? It needed to be your mission statement. Oh, it was, it was like yeah, something help people find peace. It was help people be better and to live at peace. Yes. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Jesus is the Prince of Peace. Yeah, he is. Yeah. Oh, what I, I wanted to tell y'all something about Jesus because it's it's funny when we ask people to send in questions. Literally, eighty percent of the questions are questions about faith. Really? I. It's so interesting to me. Um, and I want to tell y'all something about Jesus. Jesus. You have to come to this conclusion if you read what Jesus said. He was either a absolute lunatic or he was the son of God. The things that he said, if he was not the son of God, would make him certifiably insane. Mm-hmm. So I know a lot of people, and one of the questions actually was referencing Jesus as just a a Prophet. wise person or, or a good teacher. Uh, he was either a lunatic or the son of God. You you have to come to that conclusion if you read the things that he said. So I just wanted to throw that out there. I want to start off with the first question I want to ask you. This is from Homespun Annie. She'll, she's looking out for me. Yeah, she'll be <laughs> I at love the. Her um, so much. Well, she put in a couple questions. She'll be actually be at the proving ground. That is uh, my my friend Lucas's wife. Yeah, I love her. Cannot wait to meet her. She's the one that posts those amazingly relaxing videos. Oh, have you seen all those videos she does? Uh uh-uh. uh Oh, they're they're epic. You need to go check it. Well, out. you'll get to meet her at the proving ground. I'm excited. What is your biggest pet peeve? We were talking about this. The it kind of goes along with our conversation yesterday about like what were we particular about? Oh yeah, that was a fun conversation. Um, I know what mine is. Well, you go first thing. Let me think about it. Mine is long fingernails. <laughs> on men, <laughs> Tim, our I, old buddy Tim. I cannot stand it when a male has long fingernails. And, like, I don't mean, like, obnoxiously long. I, I mean just, like, long enough to, like, just look nasty. If if the, a good bit of the white is showing on a man's fingernails, you are really upset about it. Yeah, it's disgusting. It, it, that's just my pet peeve, right? Why is it disgusting, it's, Well, to me, I guess the reason it... Be think. Don't be asking me questions. Be thinking about your biggest pet peeve. The um, I think the reason it bothers me is because if a man has long fingernails, to me it is a sign of laziness. You are not working with your hands. If you have you, you can't have long fingernails, and like work with your hands and do stuff <laughs> that people. Sh- men should be doing so that's one of my biggest pet peeves what's yours Ben? i have three okay the first one is mouth noises oh my gosh you like ain't lying hearing people chew or hearing like someone smack their gum or like my mom when she drinks oh, here i'll 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 
I'll do it for you. So she'll take a sip. Oh man, some people are gonna hate. You're gonna this. go. Oh man, some people just turn the podcast off. And I'm like, why are you doing that? You've already freaking swallowed. Like, there's no need. There's nothing left in your mouth. What are you even doing? And she's just over there freaking doing some weird juju. I'm like, why? So that drives me nuts. And then um, people that constantly talk and don't listen. And also my third, probably my biggest pet peeve is when people want to hide things or not talk about things because it makes them or someone else uncomfortable. That will send me into a rage if someone's like, no, we're just not going to say that. We're just going to, we'll just keep that to ourselves. So, you know, that that might make them feel or, you know, it might make things awkward. No, like, no. I mean, you cannot tell somebody like that you don't know they have a booger hanging out of their nose. I'm being a relative. I'm talking about within your relationships and your families and your friend group. Like if there's something that needs to be said. Yeah, that's my. That's yeah. Old Southern culture. Yeah. Look, make everything look like. It's all good, right? Of course. Yeah. Like when I got sober and some of my family did not want me to tell anyone, they did not want me to go public because they didn't want to have to deal with the shame they were attaching to it. You know, like that's not your shame. Get out of here. Yeah. It's a bad, terrible way to go through life. Good job, boo-boo. Mouth noises. Oh my gosh. I'm going to go ahead and tell you. I will not sit down to eat dinner without turning the television on. To That's hide, a lie. You always hide. forget to turn it on. Oh, I don't. I do always. not. Always. Oh, you want to say that? And I'll remind you this week. Okay, we'll see. Hold me accountable on that. Okay. Let's keep you keep account, keep count on that. It is sad though because we can't eat in silence like mm-hmm. regular people because I'm neurotic. Well, um, here's a great one. This is Jacob Haynes, 01. Jacob says, I just got married at 20, Mm. 20 years old. If you could give one piece of advice, what would it be? Thank you, sir. Just one piece of advice. He just got married Mm. at 20 years old. How long have we been married? 2012, so this this October will be 10 years. So we're about, about a decade then. Yep. Well, I guess we're qualified to give some marriage advice. If I could, if I could give... If I could give just one, which is what he's asking for, it would be you have to take quitting off the table. That's That was kind of where my mind was going, but I'll choose something different. Because yeah. if you allow that to linger in the back of your mind as, as an, an option, option yeah, it's going to get hard enough that you're going to take that option. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's the truth. So that's the number one thing is to take quitting completely off the table as an option in marriage. That's a constant. Con- a um, conscious decision that you have to make and you have to hold yourself to that standard. And hopefully you have people around you, good friends and family members, that you can ask them to also hold you to that standard and remind you of that, remind you of that commitment and the vow that you made uh, when things do get hard because that helps a lot too. It's much easier said than done. That's why you have to have people to help you, uh, help remind you of the fact that you said you were taking quitting off the table when it gets super hard. So I stole yours? A little bit, but I'm going, I'm teetering between work on yourself. Like, I feel like one of the mistakes that I made in our marriage is when we got married, I took all my burdens and just kind of intertangled them into our relationship instead of starting out a marriage, whether that means therapy, whether that means self-help books, whether that means prayer and reflection, learning like what are my weaknesses and how do they interact with my spouse's strengths and weaknesses and 
you know, where is most of our conflict going to originate? And I don't know. I think there's just going to be a lot of things that come up that you don't realize are coming from you. You know, you're seeing issues in your spouse and it's actually you Mm. are the problem. Yeah. And so, yeah, that's kind of a blanket. Like just work on yourself, learn more about yourself and take that into your relationship. I love that. Yeah. You know, I've come to realize that marriage gives you it's it's the it's the one thing in life that gives you the best and most frequent opportunity to be a better person than you actually are. You will have many many opportunities to be more like Christ and to be a better person than you would be if you were just you alone. Because you have to serve one another. And when one is low, you have to pick up the slack and serve them. And when you're low, you expect the same from your husband or wife. And it gives you an awesome opportunity to be a reflection of Christ and how he interacts, how Jesus interacts with us in terms of, you know, we're not, we're not always uh, deserving of his love and and his admiration and his uh, his blessings and and whatever it may be. And he's always there for us, and we have to be that way in our marriage. So, I get a we got a lot of questions about struggling with faith mm. in Jesus. Okay. And we could do a whole podcast on struggling with faith, but... We should. Yeah, I mean... Not I think, today. Yeah, I think we should do that at some point, but this is from Mario Lavares underscore seven. And there are many questions that fit within the construct of this question is what, the reason I want to take it and at least touch on it. Uh, Mario says, I struggle to maintain my faith in Jesus can you give me advice on how to strengthen it? Now, this leads me into uh, uh, a few book recommendations. I think if you're struggling with faith, there are a couple of things that I would recommend to you. You, first of all, Scripture tells us to act, uh, ask, seek, and knock genuinely um i think really digging into god's word and also other books that help a book called mere christianity is a great book to but you have to really study these books you can't you can't go into them and and, and think you're just going to read through them like a novel um there's a book i'm reading right now called um the cost of discipleship um, and I really want to go into what the cost of discipleship, uh, how it addresses this question. The cost of discipleship goes into, uh, it makes a statement, basically. Only those who have faith obey Christ. And the second part of the statement is only those who obey Christ have faith. So it's tying obedience to faith and essentially how they hinge upon each other. And it makes a very, very good case that says, you know what, if you're struggling with with your faith in Christ, take the first step and become obedient to Christ. Learn to know him through seeking out what you can learn about him in Scripture. So really come to know him. Take the first step. He commands us to follow him. That's the first step. And even if you are not at a place where you believe everything about who Christ says he is, I encourage you to take that step of obedience, learn about Christ, 
and take and follow him. Become obedient to what he's asking you to do. And I believe that that at least helps create an environment for your faith to grow. I hope everybody understands that. I hope everybody understands that. Become if you're struggling with your faith, become obedient. That was like the sixth time you said yeah. that. Follow Christ. I mean, there's a lot of gray areas in what all you just said. Like yeah. there's a lot. And there's a lot up for interpretation and I mean, that's hard. That's hard. I don't think because I mean, what was his name? Mario. Mario. Like, I am in the same boat as Mario, and I'm married to you, you know, and my faith hasn't gotten to where I want it to be. It hasn't. I mean, but you have become much more faithful over time than where you were in 2012. Yeah, but there is no faith. I'm just making the effort and trying to be, I guess what you're saying is obedient, trying to follow the word and love others and serve mm-hmm. others and give of our resources and be a servant, like, you know, and forgive. And that's like what I want to do with my life. And that I just haven't gotten any more faith while working all that stuff out, you know, and while doing all that. Mm-hmm. You said something on a walk the other day. You were like, there's nothing you can physically do to make God give you faith. Like, he's just going to do it when his timing is right. And that kind of frustrated me, but it also gave me hope that, like, okay, I'm not doing something wrong. Like, it's just not time yet. Yeah. Yeah. That it's such a deep long conversation that we could have on that because I think that's a whole other aspect is what you just brought up. You know, Jesus Christ supplies the faith. Like, he gives us, he, he calls us unto him and gives us the ability to believe in him. I mean, everything, even down to our belief in Jesus, is all supplied by him. We can do nothing in and of ourselves in terms of truly believing in him. But can we create an environment in our lives that are conducive to that through obedience to God's Word? Yes, I think we can. I think we can create an environment that fosters that. Um, I don't want to spend too much time on this. I just wanted to make those suggestions. And if you're looking also, if you have a very logical mind, uh, I would ask you to do the work in, in seeking out the truth that points you to the fact that Christ is who he says he is. That's why I recommend that book, Mere Christianity, so much, is because it goes through, it's written by C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis is a very intelligent man. Uh, He was an atheist, and he gives a very beautiful perspective on why Christians believe what they believe and why he found it to be true um, in his logical brain. And that's why I recommend that book so much. I I personally, like, from my experience, I think the obedience thing could be a slippery slope for me. Yes, be- it can be. Because I'm going to look at it and say, okay, where's, like, I'm doing everything that, like, is written. Like, why isn't, and I've done this. That's why I'm saying this. Mm-hmm. Why isn't my faith coming? And then I start to get frustrated, and then I start to think this might not be real, and I might start thinking like, okay, well, if I'm doing all these things and I'm making these sacrifices and God isn't giving me this faith, why try anymore? You know, it's like when you attach getting more faith to works, I think it can be super slippery depending on your personality type because nobody is going to follow God obediently perfectly nobody oh yeah totally and if you don't have that faith and you don't understand what salvation is yet you're gonna beat yourself up you know you're right and like it can be a very slippery slope and i think you have to you have to constantly check yourself of like okay i'm gonna step into obedience to christ 
as best as I possibly can follow him, and and I'm going to get to know him as as best as I can possibly come to know him yeah. at the place I am now, not so that I can earn my faith, but so I can hopefully um, foster a mindset or an environment in my home or in my life or that, that is conducive to grow that or to, to nourish what little faith I might have right now. Yeah. And you're, you're not earning it. You're simply taking that step because that's what he commands us to do. It's yeah. it's interesting to me that that is that's all Jesus said to people when he asked when they he's like follow me. Follow me. Follow me. I mean yeah. We'll do a whole podcast on that sometime. I want to move on to the next question. Hope that helps you in some way, Mario. Let let me encourage you, brother. Faith doesn't come overnight. Mm-hmm. It is it is a lifelong, could, can be a lifelong journey uh, of seeking. Yes. Genuinely seeking. And let me also encourage you, Mario, the, the worse the world becomes, the easier it will be for you to have faith in Christ. I truly believe that. The the worse things get here in life, the easier it is to see the truth that Christ gave us and gives us and to see the need for him. Don't and be patient yes. and don't compare your faith or your walk with anyone else, as hard as that is. That's that's the worst thing you could possibly do. Yep. All right, baby, here's the next question from f- uh, Frank IG underscore 95. Oh, Frank. You mentioned learning skills in a previous post. What are the top skills in your eyes? I want you to go first again. Okay. You were able to look at these before we got here. I'm just kind of scrolling through them. But you can scroll through if you want. Yeah, I want to pick some. Yeah, pick some. All right, Frank, top skills in my eyes. Oh, I'll try to give you the top five. Okay. The first top skill for me, personally, is... Tactics, tactics, and and shooting. Um, <laughs> that's the top one for me. It's the great equalizer. If uh, if I if you cannot defend what you have, then it's not yours. It can be taken from you by someone else who has skills in terms of tactics and shooting. So I think that's a very important skill. I think having a general understanding of life-saving medicine or medical procedures um, is a very valuable skill. And we teach that at at all our courses. We teach basic TCCC, tactical combat casualty care. Now, if you can take your medical skills to the next level and become a wilderness first responder or a paramedic or something like, like that. Chili. Yeah, that's the next level. You always you always want a medic. Um third, to me, uh, would revolve around acquiring food. So learning how to hunt, which is a skill. Learning how to process animals um, and meat and turn that into food. All right. That's a big skill. It's and it that can take a lifetime to learn. You could focus your life just on learning that single skill. But you need to have a general knowledge of all of these things. If you want to learn how to hunt, by the way, I don't know if you guys know, but <clears throat> my brother Brian Scott with Red Blooded Outdoors, they just joined the 307 Podcast Network. 
Red-Blooded Outdoors is under the 3 of 7 Podcast Network now. Why do you keep repeating things twice? So, um... <laughs> That's like the fourth time If you want to learn how to hunt, go check out Brian's podcast. And also, he's about to start running courses to where you guys can actually come out and learn how to hunt. It's going to be so cool. With Brian. Okay, and I endorse that because Brian's the one who taught me how to hunt. So, He's check that out, man. Along with gardening and being able to grow food, mm-hmm. that is a skill. Have a general understanding of that. Um, four would be, I'm going to say, learning how to how to create shelter or how to build right having a general understanding of how to to build or create shelter or if you're out in the back if you're out moving how to um how to set up your your tent and your shelter and how to carry gear and make movement all right so it's all about creating an environment that you can survive either in the backcountry or if you're stationary. Um, what would be five? Is it, it did he ask for no, five? No, I just I just chose to pick top five. Oh. I'm just gonna throw one out there. I think having a general understanding of of uh, navigation and how to move from point to point. That's great. And read a map and use a compass and and get from where you are to to some objective. Uh, which why we 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 teach all of these skills at three seven project and this is why because I think they're all critical skills mm-hmm. that everyone should have a general understanding of. You can only be an expert in maybe one or two of them, but to have a general knowledge of all of these is uh is good stuff. You're the gardener. I think gardening's really important, but I think like you're going at it about. Like, my brain did not go, like, survival. Like, what are the best skills to have? Like, the first thing that popped in my mind was the ability to deal with people. That's a, that's like, a good skill. Like, the, the thing from, like, how to win friends and influence people. Like, just your ability to make people... See your point? Yeah, kind of. Like, that's not really... I don't know how to say, like, make people respect you almost and mm-hmm. also, like, want you to be around and want you to be a part of things and, like, you know, be able to influence people. Well, I think those are, that's a great skill. Yeah, I mean, leadership is a great skill. Yes, that, um, that's a great one. You know, those are all that, those are all needed skills. I think people are becoming more interested in skills now, though, because, because of the last few years and they see how fragile society is and like they're 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 people are now becoming more interested in learning skills like that will that are truly valuable on a foundational level like hey man if the power goes out and i can and and we run out of gas and all like how 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 can i be confident yeah. In my ability to just like stay alive. Yeah. And so I think 20, maybe 15 years ago, people weren't so interested in those types of skills, but yeah. now they are becoming that way. And skills equal value. No one can ever take them from you. Once you learn them, they are yours forever and they make you valuable. It's true. In society. I think preserving food is another one that seems like something we should all know a little bit about. Yeah. Like, we can hunt, we can garden, but what do we do with it? Mm-hmm. You know, like what? We don't have electricity. Yeah. There's no refrigerator. There's no freezer. What's the next step? Learn how to smoke meat, can, and ferment. Yep. Yeah, that's a great, great addition Something that you can learn very easily. Yeah. Right now you got YouTube. When crap hits the fan, you're not going to be able to YouTube how to ferment greens. Yeah. 
Like, and people don't think about that. You're right, man. When times are good, like generally good, this is when you should be learning skills. If you wait until you actually need the skills, there's going to be no one around to teach them to you. That's why in my prepper closet, I have like books on Southeastern mushroom Mm -hmm. gathering and I have books on like a couple different things, preserving food. And because honestly, I don't have the will or the want right now to dive into that and learn because I'm so busy with the other things. Gardening keep me really busy. So I'm like, I'll have the book on hand. And if if we ever, hopefully we don't ever need it, but if we do, we can learn then, you know? Yeah. Old school. Yeah. YouTube. And you stocked up on, you stocked up on a lot of food too. Yeah. Just to give you that transitional cushion. Yep. You know? Yeah. Well, and that, the biggest cushion was for other people. I started kind of noticing that people we love in our lives don't want to store up food because they don't want to spend the money on it. And I'm like, okay. The, the odds that my best friends or my family show up to our house and I say no are very, very low. So I'm like, I got to have a lot of food. <laughs> and that most of the food we have is good for like 20 years. So, I mean... Five years from the expiration date, we donate it, you know, if we don't use it. Yeah. Or you guys use it, you know, backpacking or something because it's good food. But um, I like I like this question, and I know you wouldn't normally um, pick it, but it says, it's life underscore rags 817 says, Chad, how do you deal with regret in life? Mm. That's a hard one, isn't it? Yeah, I'm trying to think of I'm trying to think of something that I that I regret because the strange thing is the older I get and the more I'm able to reflect upon the big mistakes that I have made uh, I recognize that all of those things that I should be, I should feel some regret about actually contributed to turning me into the person who I am today, to molding me into who I am today. So it's so hard for me because that's the way my mind works. It's like I'm, I'm really good at extracting and, and actually talk about faith, having faith in the moments that really suck or the moments that I make terrible mistakes, having faith that these things are happening um, in order to teach me. Like, I, I can learn something from this. And so uh, that's a good thing. But I think when you started talking, my mind went to, you said something one time about like, it, it's kind of cliche, a lot of people say it, but it's just true that f- failure is not failure. It's just a lesson. And like, if you truly looked at everything like that, I mean, that's easier said than done. My mind goes to like, like you cheated on your wife or something like, you know, you accidentally hurt one of your kids or, you know, your last words to somebody before they died were mean or, mm-hmm. you know, like there's some things you can't, I don't know. I don't really have a perspective for lasting mistakes. Like, well, I guess I do. I don't know. Well, the great thing, the great thing about also about um, becoming a a servant of Christ or becoming a uh, a disciple of Christ is all those bad things that you <laughs> that you did in your past. Even if there's not a lesson you can take from them, they actually end up adding to. Um, your testimony or essentially in your ability to encourage others. Because, like, I can look back on my life and I can say, well, yeah, I mean, I used to say something like watch pornography. Like, I used to watch pornography. Uh, And I can say, well, there's no lesson I can take from that. But it actually allows me to, like, 
speak to somebody that's struggling with that. Yeah. Not that I I was never addicted to it, but like I I understand the enticement of it. Mm-hmm. And it's uh so yeah, not that I can take a lesson from it, but it makes me it, it adds to who I am and how how Jesus and the Holy Spirit changed me. And uh yeah, now I can I it gives me something to share <laughs> and like I wouldn't take that back. I don't really regret it. So Yeah. I think that's where I'm at too, is I don't I still have some shame attached to some of the things I did, but I don't have a lot of regret for them. And I think it's because I know who I am now is because of, you know, everything had its place. And I don't think I would want to, I don't know. Mm -hmm. That's a hard one. I would have to, that's a deep question. I might have to think about that before I give anybody a good answer. Yeah. I'd say ultimately the answer would be how to deal with regret. Look at the situation or the scenario that you are feeling regret towards and try to really see what you can learn from that Mm -hmm. and take that lesson and don't just keep it to yourself but use it in order to help that's good. people around you. Yeah, that's really good. I like this one. You talk about this all the time. Um, Bunch S. Diesel said. Oh, that's Jonah Bunch. Oh, yeah. Okay, I knew I recognized that. It's a, he says, if given the chance to go back in time and relive a part of your life, where would you go? Like where in time is what I'm guessing he's saying. A part of my life? I think, okay, so I... And John, I'm sorry if I'm wrong, but my mind immediately went to what part of history would you insert yourself into? That's a different question. Yeah. If I could go, if I could live a part of my life. I hope that's what he's saying. Well, if it, if it pertains to my life, it's right now. My life is better right now than it has ever been in my entire life. And I would not go backwards. You were just saying like the. Three days ago when we were walking, you were like, man, I would give anything to be one of the first. Uh, That's history. If I could go back in history and live my life oh, in a different time. That's what I was asking. Yeah, but that's oh, not what Jonah asked. He's asking relive a part of your. Oh, yeah, yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, so it would yeah. be like, I would want to go back to SEAL training or go back to when I first got married or like. No. Yeah. No, yeah. it would be right. My life is better now than it ever has been. If I had to go back to a time in life, it would be buds. If I had to choose one, it Weird. would it would definitely be buds. Yeah, it was just such a simple, primal existence. And every day there was something to struggle against. Every day there was a challenge. Every day um, it, it was hard, but it was hard in a very simplistic way. You weren't worried about taxes or... You know, going to the DMV or getting selected for jury duty. Or, oh, my gosh. Like, you weren't worried about paying bills. Uh, you know, you didn't have an a iPhone. You, you didn't have an internet connection. You, you, it was like literally primal. Go out. Do whatever you had to do. Get the mess beat out of you. Come back home or come back to your barracks. Eat, sharpen your knife, and go to bed. After <laughs> you said that. Like, me just hearing that and picturing it, it makes so much sense why, like, QuickBooks and all that stuff stresses you out so much. Because you were conditioned to not pay attention to little things like that for so long. Yeah. And now you're like, nah. Yeah. I ain't doing that. I'm here to tell y'all, if he wasn't married to me, he would be, like, on the run right now for tax evasion. And, like, he'd be, I mean, it would be, it would be bad. Oh, yeah. I, like, it, you wouldn't pay anything. No, I wouldn't. Yeah. If, I mean, I mean, if it wasn't for you and Blake. Yeah. I wouldn't, I would not do any of that. I know you wouldn't. Um, I want to know, I'm the same as you. I wouldn't go anywhere else. My life is better now than it's ever been. But I want to know, just because it popped in my head, like, if you could go back and live your life at any point in history, when would you show up? I would, it it would have been like in the, when the 
exploration of our of this continent, North America, was happening. When was that? When what were those explorers that, that, that they sent over? That would have been the 1600s. What, Lewis and Clark. Yeah, but there were people coming over way before them. Uh, Don't say that like I'm dumb. Well, no, it's not. It's not way before them. History, history gives you the story because people. I believe that people were landing on the coast of this continent. Probably, I don't know maybe thousands of years prior to what the history books say. Yes. Right? I agree. The history books are just telling you of the first time that it was, there it, There was a good record of it kept, right? But I think that's one of the things that I really wish I had the opportunity to do is to explore something a large landmass that has never been explored no clue what kind of critters what kind of bugs what the weather's like what terrain features like nothing native population nothing yeah i think that would just be the ultimate adventure um and obviously if you don't know i have a deep hatred for government and I think hatred um, is a little well I, I do I have I have a problem with authority figures and elites telling me what I have to do and and what I should do with with my time and my resources and um, I have a huge problem with all of that I just want to be a free human on the earth like don't don't tell me what I should do I'm not even going to go there. I'm not okay. even you're like trying to hook me. What here. would you go back to? I don't want to be an explorer. Like I <laughs> I do not have the courage for that. Like I'm just picturing like the first explorer to like walk up on a rattlesnake or walk up on a grizzly bear or like all of a sudden there's tornadoes and they came from like a place in Europe where tornadoes don't exist and like, heck no. But I like, I do, especially when I'm working in the garden or when life gets kind of hectic, I do think about how much more fun it would be to live in a time where everything was physical and like at night there weren't extra lights. Like you went to mm. bed and to eat, you had to work. And because I love hard work, like I, I've always loved physical labor, probably not even close to the extent those people went through. But I have daydreamed about that kind of life and more time for self-reflection, I think would be huge. Like we don't have any of that right now. I don't know. A lot of that appeals to me, but I would want to end up in like the early 1700s ish, like when this continent was kind of already explored. There, there were some colonies. Yeah, like, yeah, I could just go chill in Virginia and, like, have my little garden and some animals. and, But I don't want to deal with, I like, I like modern medicine. I don't want to, like, <laughs> you know, kicked my foot or got a splinter and ended up with an infection and died. Yeah. Like, I don't, I'm grateful for that we lived during that time and that all of our babies survive. The mortality rate of women and children is low. Mm -hmm. I like all that, you know? Yeah. And Jonah, if you, if you want to see where my mind is at, if you are looking for a book that is not super deep and spiritual and philosophical or whatever, uh, my favorite novels are called the Sackett series. The Sackett series. He's read them like four times oh more than that at least yeah it's like how i like to watch friends over and over again even though i've already seen it and you're like that with those books i love them oh responses <laughs> you pick one more and i'll pick one more okay mm -hmm. but talk about something 
I'm trying to remember who the second series was written by. Uh, Louis Lamore. That's what I was about to say. Yeah, Louis Lamore. Oh, I like this. Try Hope says, how did you find such a hilarious wife? How did I find such a hilarious wife? Such a good question. Um. Wow. Well, me and Brooke just happened to run into each other when we were kids. Yeah, that's true. And uh, and I asked her out on a date, and it was love at first sight. <laughs> <laughs> no, I know that wasn't mine. That was a joke. This is the one I want to ask. Is meant? Do you think? Okay, this is the meat. Wait, the me and the mother? I can't read. That's probably Savannah. The meathead mother. The meathead mother. That was really difficult. Is mental toughness different for women and men? I feel like it's expressed differently. I feel like this is something you can... (laughs) Is mental toughness different for women and men? Well, I would have to say yes, because women are generally more mentally tough than men. Um... (laughs) I don't know if it's I, I don't know if it's expressed differently. I, I mean, I don't really have something on the tip of my tongue to answer that. But in my experience, when stuff gets difficult physically and mentally, women are able to deal with it better than men are. Men are overwhelmingly a bunch of complaining, wuss, uh, sad sex. At <laughs> you least, guys, yeah. Y'all also get overwhelmed really easily. Like women are very dynamic, and women can juggle multiple stressors, multiple things happening. And I feel like the mental toughness is there too. You know, because I think we have way more going on in our brains than men do at any given time. You know, like women. Most women I've ever talked to are the caretakers for everyone around them. They're constantly looking at all the people they're surrounded with, their dogs, their their husbands, their moms, their kids. They're imagining the worst case scenario that could happen to that person. And it's just a natural thing that happens. You know, and it's like, I feel like women are conditioned over time because they have such a burden put on them just biologically that they are better at dealing with stress. Because that's stressful. But for some reason, God has charged us with that to keep everyone safe and taken care of. Mm -hmm. That's a lot, though. Good gosh. Keeping kids alive has got to be a lot, too. Yeah. Yeah, it's a lot. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Um, The final question I I want to answer is uh from a it's a guy that has a like a public land okay public land sportsman this is a question i want to answer because it's relevant to what i've been doing here lately have you ever hunted big game out west mule deer or elk the answer is no um but i did apply for my first mule deer tag oh. just the other day because I know where there is a herd of mule deer out west, and they're in such a rugged location, they don't, they're not afraid of people. Literally, they'll just walk right into your camp. It's going to be so fun to shoot a tame animal. <laughs> <laughs> it's going to be so exciting. Um, and, <laughs> and so nobody hunts this area, and I know where they're at. And so I applied for a mule deer tag there, and I'm going to go out with my bow with some friends, and we're going to do that style of hunting, uh, and then which may hopefully lead to an elk hunt or something like that. But we do love shooting archery. Somebody asked about my archery setup. Brooke bought me a Hoyt RX-7 carbon Carbon fiber fiber compound bow. And that's the bow I'm shooting with a HHA sight and drop away rest that are unbelievable. I can shoot at a hundred yards and it's just unbelievable what that sight is able to do. And Biscuit also loves shooting bows. 
Yeah, I like it. I like my traditional recurve better than my compound. Yeah. But I like it. So. Um, that was the question did not pertain to me. Okay. I know you're trying to exclude me again in some way. You just can't help it. Um. Oh, here's a good one that pertains to you, boo-boo. What tips or techniques do you prescribe? Prescribe? Who is it? This, oh, my bad. This is Sig, oh, my gosh, Sig Marcher Show or something. Mm-hmm. What tips or techniques do you prescribe to get yourself out of a funk? Oof. <laughs> uh, oh, yeah. I well, I got one. Shooting my bow. <laughs> Shooting my bow helps get me out of a funk. It makes it... I have to focus on all these little things to, and it gets me out of my own head to make the perfect shot. Shooting my bow helps me. This sauna thing is is awesome. Extreme temperatures, right? I now I don't like the extreme cold, but the extreme hot, uh, it helps really relax me and get me out of a funk. Those are two right off the top of my head. And then off the third would be exercise. Third would be exercise. What you're talking about is I was at therapy the other day and Jeremy was talking and I was telling him, again, I'll share with you guys what I've been going through soon. I, I want to share soon. And um, I had gone and done a session, my first session, photo session. Um, I'm a photographer. I think most of y'all know that. Since probably late fall, I think I've done one or two over the winter, but they've been slim and it was just perfect. The people were perfect. The setting was perfect. My equipment performed perfect. And I got into this zone and I was telling my therapist when I got done with that, I was like euphoric, like the drive home in the next like hour and a half. I was just like on top of the world feeling amazing. It felt like I'd taken some kind of drug. And he was telling me about this thing called flow. And it says a flow state, also known as colloquial, as being in the zone, is the mental state in which someone performing, a person performing some activity is fully immersed in a feeling of energized focus and full involvement. And like that's that's coined by this crazy psychologist guy. But like I believe that is a good way to get out of a funk is like most of us know there are things that make us happy and there are things that we can do that will fully engage us. And if you don't know that, you need to start trying new things until you find that because it's, it's such a great resource to know you can go in your backyard and shoot your bow when you're in a funk or having a bad day. Yeah. Or I can go take pictures of something and be creative or running is a great outlet for both of us. I mean, but I think that's a, what else? A funk. I I think that's the key is like finding something that engages your body, soul, and spirit Mm -hmm. like completely. And if you can find that thing and it's something that you enjoy, it can help snap you out of whatever funk you're in, right? And not just shooting bows. I think shooting firearms can be that also yeah um which by the way we just put the range training on the website if you want to apply to come out and learn how to shoot and learn some tactics we are offering that now and it's it's by selection you can't just sign up for it you have to apply for it and we might select you but that's one thing I know I've taken people out there to shoot many times and they've said they get done and they're just completely relaxed like once they're finished because they're like holy smokes that it's such a mind body and spirit all having to come together and work through this process Mm -hmm. of learning this discipline and everything has to work together in order to make it all happen yeah. And it's really intense in the moment, but it needs to be. And then once you're done, you're kind of snapped out of your funk and you're just able to chill the rest of the day. Yeah. When 
my next thought, like, that's very true. My next thought was, though, like, why are you in a funk? And, like, to me, a funk is when you're on repeat. You're stuck. Yeah. You know? And I've been learning a lot about um, neuropathways. And it's like, if you're in a funk because you keep having the same negative thoughts over and over again, it's very unlikely, even if you do go shooting and get a reprieve for the evening, if you fall back into those same thought patterns, you're going to stay in wow. a funk. Yeah. And it's like, for me, what's been working for me lately, very slowly, might I add, I thought it was going to be like an overnight thing for my funk, but it's not, is trying to change those thought patterns. There's this really cool book called um, Your Mental Mess, and it's like, it's legit five easy steps to get rid of really bad thoughts that are keeping you in negative cycles. And like the first step is just acknowledging, like kind of stepping back from yourself and saying like, what, what are my thoughts that are keeping me here? And are those thoughts that I truly want to have? And if the answer is no, then you began the process of altering those thoughts and eventually replacing them with something else. But it's really, really good word. Yeah. I think a funk is, is just you being stuck in the same thoughts and actions and yeah. Yeah. And so to actually get out of that, you have to assess that and change some things about maybe your lifestyle or yeah. Yeah. I, I get that. Or else you just start to become addicted to whatever it is that breaks you out of the perfect out yeah. of that cycle temporarily. Yeah. Right. And that's unhealthy. That it could be skydiving or it could yes. be shooting bows or shooting guns or whatever. Or you become desensitized to your funk and you just start to let that be your reality, yeah. you know, which that will happen. You'll start to feel okay with it. And then over time you'll look back and go, oh crap. Like I never, I'm still in the funk I was in 10 years ago. Yeah. It's just gotten easier to handle. Yeah, that's a... Uh, that's a good word, man. It just makes me. Thanks, man. We're so, we're so, I guess, adamant about this topic. We could talk about it for a while because Brooke and I both have uh, many, if you want to say traumas or many things that, that put us into funks quite regularly. And we have to be very intentional in our lives about breaking those cycles even me, you know, I now, for the first time in my life, I have worked to be able to have the luxury that most days, from the time I wake up till 10 a.m., I can set that side a time, or that time aside for me, right, to do things that are healthy, that fill me up, um, like, I had to work a long time to get there. It's my first time in my life that I've actually been able to do that, to wake up in the morning and say, no, I'm going to do what's good for me for a few hours first. Yeah. And um, it's, a, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing. But I, that's unrealistic for most people, and that's not necessary to get out of your rut. Like the stuff I was talking about could literally take you five minutes a day of journaling, Yeah, and then it would just be – getting in new patterns while you're driving you'll catch yourself like you know you're right i mean that's that's optimal what you're saying i was just yeah i was yeah. just sharing kind of what what i i'm not yeah without a doubt it's not practical for most people and it was never practical for me mm -hmm. until this at this point in my life but um Maybe maybe make it a goal to work yourself into a position where you can take the time you need to fill yourself up and yes. you're not always caught up in the rat race of life and what's happening around you. So what's happening in the world? Holy smokes, man. Well, I think that was good, boo-boo. That was a little over an hour, so it was a fun conversation. Yeah, it was. I love you. I love you, too. If I hadn't have got mad... Chad would have just sat over there and handed me his phone and said, ask me questions. No, that was not my intention. Garen guarantee you. That was not my intention. Most of what you say is better than what I say anyway. So. That's not true. 
Well, guys, I hope you guys enjoyed it. And uh, I'm always so thankful for you all that listen to this podcast. Uh, it's it's just mind-boggling to me that I can make a post on uh, on my Instagram story and within 30 minutes you guys have submitted these really good questions that make me think um, and that that hopefully – you know, give, give us the opportunity to say something that will help someone else. And there is nothing that we do that could be done without you guys, without the body of three of seven and, and all you guys that listen to the podcast and, and, uh, all of you on Patreon that support the podcast. Uh, we've got resurrected tonight. I think I'm going to talk about the seven characteristics that I came up with, uh, of a warrior, that's going to be a fun conversation. But um, I thank you guys so much for tuning in, and we'll talk to you soon. we got a lot of cool stuff to talk about on Wednesday when Chili and Krista and the whole team gets together. we got some cool stuff dropping on you on Wednesday. So Awesome. Get ready for that. Bye, guys. Enough said. <laughs>